Good morning, everybody. I know we've got a couple joining. David is hopping in right now. Yeah. yeah. Nice Sorry to see you, David. You're all good. We yeah. know that picture you sent me last week, David. You had a little more of a beard than you can. I can tell from this picture right now. So I don't know. It's quite hand drawn. So yeah. I told you. I told you. I don't. And the re reality is, I can't do much about that. <laughs> no worries. Well, guys, thanks for joining us today. I'm excited for this conversation because I don't think there's a more relevant topic right now in craft beer than just getting ready for colder weather, you know, especially with so many states still fighting COVID and reduced, reduced capacity, more regulations. There's a lot of things we need to talk about. So hopefully the five of your insights can help some brewers out there who are just watching today. It's going to be a fun conversation. I'm really excited to hear what you're both, what you're all doing. So Let's dive right in. I want to start off with everybody introducing themselves so we can let all the listeners know why you are here today. Julie, you're first. Oh, gosh. So I'm uh, I'm Julie Rhodes. For everybody who doesn't know me, I own a company called um, Not Your Hobby Marketing Solutions. Um, because if you have customers, you have a business and you don't have a homebrewing hobby. Um, that's how you need to treat it. So I basically teach people how to sell more beer. Um, plain and simple. I have, uh, you know, digital courses that I teach people, uh, you know, you can take online courses that I have in um, beer sales, digital marketing tactics, and distribution management. Uh, and then um, I hate this word, but I'm also a consultant um, as well. And I work one-on-one -on -one with um, beer-focused businesses. I also work with cideries, meaderies, um, hard seltzer folks, um, pretty much anything that's fermented. Um, and kind of in the beer space. Uh, I work one-on-one -on -one with folks to try to help them increase their sales and improve their marketing efforts and work better with their wholesalers. So yeah, well, that's, that's about it. I'm always, Julie. <laughs> now, Sean, you. it's been a while since you and I spoke. Last time you were supposed to join us, what happened there again? So I'm the owner operator of Nostalgia Brewing in uh, Columbus, Ohio. and. Uh, when I was getting set to head to the brewery, I was texted that our kitchen door fell off. So we have we have swing doors into our kitchen and they're super heavy. They're like old barn wood and um, it just literally just crashed down. Um, so I spent the remainder of the night trying to, to get that situation ironed out and I got the door back up. So I guess that worked out, but I missed the entire conversation about working a full-time job and also being uh, in the brewery space. So I also have a full-time job in marketing that uh, that pays the bills. And then the, the brewery is something that um, doesn't necessarily pay any bills. So yeah, but it's fun. It's a good time. Hopefully it will soon. I think we're excited to hear about what you're doing to prepare for the rest of 2020 besides putting up doors. So absolutely. Good conversation. Now, Shane, tell us where you're at and what you do. Hi, guys. I'm uh, Shane. Worked in Wormtown for about two years, uh, director of hospitality here. Currently, we have two tap rooms, potentially opening up a third soon. Um, yeah, Wormtown is right in Worcester, Massachusetts, right in the central mass. It's a balmy 75 degrees here today. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, Wormtown is doing pretty well. The winter is obviously a scary thought ahead of us during COVID times, but hopefully uh, we can figure this out and get through it. Yeah, I, I think people might be a little more apt to sitting outside th this winter than past. So I'm excited to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Now, yeah. Marin, I know when I first invited you to join, I was expecting you to tell me you're in 
Colorado right now where it's yeah. snowing, but you kind of threw me a curveball and said you're actually yeah. in Houston. Where it's probably what, like five? Yeah, it's a good like 82 degrees, humid and nasty outside here. Um, but yes, my name is Marin. Um, I'm actually the chief culture officer for Wiley Roots Brewing Company in Greeley, Colorado. Um, I work remotely here in Houston and then visit them for about three-ish weeks once a quarter. Um, so pretty much I'm their full-time cheerleader from a distance and just make sure they're doing everything on point from afar and everyone's happy campers over there in the 24 degree weather that is in Greeley today. Um, so it's already snowing. They're already executing plans for cold. So it's a really fun project to be a part of. And I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to have this opportunity for sure. No, thanks for joining us today. And last but not least, David, nice to meet you face to face today. So what's going on in your world and why are you here? Well, I apologize. I'm a little. It's a little hectic this morning, and I was tardy. Um, we had a, we received a positive test on a staff member uh, this morning, uh, so we've been scrambling a little bit to get a cleaning service in to do some fogging and um, and take the appropriate measures. We're closing today uh, for that for that reason. Um, fortunately, this person hasn't worked since the 30th, and they haven't had any contact with any of our other staff members. They didn't get have symptoms until last week. So hopefully we're in the clear, but uh, out of an abundance of caution, um, we're, we're closing and cleaning today just to, uh, and it's at least it's Tuesday, which isn't our busiest day of the week. So, um, um, you know, safety first in, in these times uh, as we, you know, we're all community-based businesses and really uh, working to ensure our public, uh, the, the trust of our public is, and, and safety has got to be, you know, priority number one. But I'm the owner-operator of Cedar Springs Brewing Company in um, just outside of Beer City, USA, Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we have a little, uh, we're in a little small town above about 3,500 people. That's uh, about 15 minutes north of, um, of Grand Rapids. So, um, and I may be a little different just looking at the faces and that I'm an old fart. I'm 51 um, and I've been in this business since 1988 in various capacities, um, including a stint of five years in Germany. So um, it's a little, uh, uh, there's, it's always it's always interesting because there's a little bit of a generation here um, and I enjoy a lot of these uh, seminars because the perspectives that I get from these are, are different than my peer group, certainly. So. Well, David, as many emails as we had, honestly, I couldn't have guessed if you were 25 or 55 based off the conversations we've had. So I think there's so many similarities we're all I dealing with right now. I think, I think you're just calling me in sober and immature is what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Take it as you will. But you know what? I'd like to actually ask you a little bit about how you're dealing with COVID situation right now. So we've had a lot of conversations so far, and I don't believe you've had any scares like this so far. Is that correct? Yeah, we've been uh, very fortunate uh, in that we have had, I mean, most places around us have had incidents. We have not at this point. Um, you know, Michigan, I think we went on shutdown Ju March 16th, um, and we we pivoted to uh, delivery and uh, takeout only for three months in June. We were able to do 50% capacity. Again, well, every state's a little bit different. Um, the, the, in this case really was, it wasn't here. I mean, the person hasn't been here in two weeks. Uh, you know, so fortunately we really don't have, I mean, at least I don't think there's any cause for concern among our, our folks, but they did, we received the test this morning. Um, they were off on a regular schedule. And then as part of our daily screening, they, they weren't allowed to come to work because they were showing symptoms and they had to go get a test. Test came back this morning. They're positive. So, uh, obviously, they're going to be off for a little while, but and we, you know, we're we were we're being transparent with our public. This is what's going on. 
Um, so we had a post this morning and uh, like I said, we're having an outside environmental uh, team uh, come in to uh, do fogging and do uh, cleaning of all of our, our, our contact areas, high contact areas. Um, and I mean, I think all of us that have been in this, we've been dealing with mask holes uh, through the entire thing of, you know, getting your staff cursed at and, you know, questioning the procedures of what you're doing. Um, we have been adamant. We're a German, we're a German place. Um, and it's a sit down dining experience and it's an experience and it doesn't translate well to take out in a cardboard box. You know, we end up having an uptick in sandwiches. We're not selling entrees. Um, but we've made our staff stay behind the counter and we're doing counter service instead of server service and the staff hates it and the public hates it. Um, but, uh, it has been a huge part of, uh, you know, of our safety procedures and minimizing the contact and therefore the risk, um, to both our staff and the public when they're seeing a couple hundred people a day. So, um, it's all, um, you know, like I said, in this case, it appears that this person contracted something outside of the premises here, but, um, you know, keeping those standards up and really um, being transparent with our audience and making safety first has been good for us. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, we're in a small town of 3,500 people and our town really bent over backwards to support our staff during the shutdown uh, and being very generous with their tips and purposely coming and ordering, even though it wasn't their favorite dish, they would still order a sandwich or something. Um, so a lot of that community engagement and that transparency has served us well through this. Um, we're actually, I should probably shouldn't say this out loud, but in uh, we, our last few periods have been more profitable than typical, uh, you know, with that because of the support we, we've received. And, and financially, we were already sound, but we're in even a better place now. So, no, that's fantastic. It's really great to hear the small communities that are coming behind breweries to support during these tough times. And kind of going on that same note, I would love to start this on a positive note. I'd love to talk to each of you about, you know, what have you seen as your most successful strategy so far, whether it's an, some kind of socially distant event that you did that was a huge success or just some kind of enforcement that you've done in your tap room that's gone over really well. I'd like to hear one positive from each of you about something that's actually gone right in your pandemic plan so far. So anyone feel free to step up to the mic right now. Um, so we created a 5,000 square feet patio that didn't exist in years wow. of Wiley being open. So seven years being open, um, patio outside was maybe a couple of chairs here and there. Um, busted out a 5,000 square foot AstroTurf, repurposed AstroTurf from a little place in Denver. Um, we have sheets of a soccer field. We have sheets of a high school football field. Um, the 50 yard line and the corner kick lines are still there, um, but enough seating outside that we now can see like 150 people outside in the patio, all social distance, six feet apart. Um, so we can pack the patio space um, very adequately to be, you know, continuing the measures of the guidelines that are in Colorado. No, that's fantastic. How quickly did it take that patio to come together? A day. Wow. We decided that morning we wanted it. We found a repurposed place that afternoon. We did it that night. We didn't stop until it was done. We opened it two days later. That's impressive. I take it yeah. all your fans are loving it. Loving it was pretty, extra cool. it's pretty good. But the dogs love it big time. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Now, Shane, how about you? What have you guys done at Wormtown that you've seen successful thus far in the pandemic? Well, I partnered with the restaurant next door to us. We have a great Italian restaurant that we really never had a partnership with in the past. So we partnered up with them and opened up a huge beer garden in a drive-through area that we've never used before. 
and their sales and our sales are higher this year than they've ever been just in the tap room and their restaurant. Um, now customers are getting used to coming down to the tap room and having a full Italian meal when they come here. So my concern is pulling it away in the winter and I think we're going to continue it. Um, we brought in QR codes. Our tap room is now covered in QR codes for local restaurants and just for our guests that they can, they can log right in there, order directly from the QR code, the food and the beer is delivered right to their table. So a lot less interaction from our employees with the guests. Um, but yeah, the, the, the restaurant next door was booming because of this. We were booming and, you know, obviously the weather is going to change here in the Northeast at some point. Uh, we had snow two weeks ago, about six inches and our sales that we dropped dra dramatically. So we're looking at other alternatives. Um, I do have a company that I just got quotes on for igloos, heated igloos that we're going to set up out in that area. Um, so I think we're going to pull the trigger on that today and go ahead and get those in. Yeah. Uh, the forecast does look like it is going to change in the next week or so. So we got to move quickly on this and keep the vibe going that we've had in the last uh, six months. Uh, during COVID. So, yeah, our fear is coming into the cold, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes with these igloos. E you That's just threw up so many concepts I want to dive into a little bit more once we go around the table. There's so many things in that, Shane. I'm excited to throw out all of you. Now, Sean, why don't we go to you, then we'll finish up with David on this one. Oh, and Julie, of course. So, our city actually passed a designated outdoor refreshment area. Um, unfortunately, it took some time to get all of the pieces and parts together. It passed in uh, early August, I believe, but by the time, you know, cups, signs, all of those things actually arrived and were ready to go. It was uh, middle of October when it launched, but uh, we've been seeing really nice response from the the surrounding community coming out getting a beer to go um for anyone that doesn't know what a designated outdoor refreshment area is it basically is local businesses that have a liquor permit you can walk in purchase a plastic cup to go and you know you walk around the area we have a beautiful uh, creekside area uh, that runs it's actually a park so it, uh, it runs behind the brewery and there are several businesses involved. I think uh, five, five other businesses involved in it. So um, really nice response. And we're hoping that, you know, even as the, the colder weather hits, people will still bundle up, grab a, uh, grab a beer, you know, they'll have their jacket on and they'll walk around and look at the Christmas lights or whatever is up around the, the park. No, I'm excited to hear what you do in the wintertime. I know you're always thinking of unique marketing ideas to get people in to get them back. David, I, uh, I have a, sorry. That's all good. I, um, just one last thing. I have a, there's a, a donut pairing event that, uh, we did. It was actually early 2019. Um, the only reason we didn't do it again is because the, the donut making couple, they decided not to do it. Uh, anymore it was it was kind of like a offshoot they were both full-time employees somewhere else and they actually took uh, the beer i think they even did 
it was mostly beer. They took the beer and, and replaced something in the ingredients to make donuts from the beer. Um, it's called the drunken donut. Uh, but anyway, we did a, we did a collab with them and uh, we hadn't done it again since they weren't in business, but a local uh, donut shop opened up recently. So we're going to pair with them and do another donut pairing, but uh, they do kind of like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with duck donuts or the um, basically the donut shops that do like random stuff, cereal or, you know, Reese's pieces or whatever on top. Um, they do things like that, but they have a, a make your own at home kit. So we're going to try to do like a four pack of beer and uh, take home decorating donut kit and, uh, and see how that goes. That's a fantastic idea. I think collaborations are even more vital right now to help locals support, you know, two businesses at once who are, you know, trying their best to survive this pandemic. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. These donuts are making me kind of hungry as well. Yep. And David, you got anything to say about donuts or what are some unique strategies that have worked for Peter Spring? Michigan actually had a donut and beer festival last year uh, at, a, at a local ballpark, which was kind of interesting. I, to me, they don't really go together. I love them both, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think the question was really how how are we outreaching or how what what changes have we made yeah. through this? You know, what strategy have you seen really successful thus far in the pandemic? Yeah, um, I mean, I think there's a lot of things. That's one of the beauties of this industry is the creativity that you see. I mean, with 7,000 breweries or 8,000 breweries around the country, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff that people do do. Uh, as I mentioned, we're kind of in the middle. Uh, we're in a small town outside of a larger metropolitan area. One of the big things we did early on was uh, we had our, our, our graphics people come in and we did a, a regular video happy hour when we were shut down. So we did almost a talk show format. It was a half an hour. We did it every we shot it on Wednesday, edited it and then uh, viewed it on had it viewed on Friday night. And we would have staff members, some regulars that would come in. We always we always had done a live music series. So we have a guy with a guitar and we do a musical guest playing the role of Paul Schaefer. Um, but it was a, it was a way we had some other restaurateurs that would come in and just talk about this from the hospitality perspective. Um, and we did this right up until we got the reopening to 50%, but it was a great way to just have outreach and reconnect with your consumer base and with your, um, you know, with your regulars, with your clientele, we were, we're we were getting up 2,500 or so views on those wow. when we were shooting those. We were shooting those live when we when we would broadcast them we would be on texting or uh chatting live so we were having reaction um uh in real time as as the show was going on and so we've always done little video snippets but this was just a little bit more of a of a production type one uh, of a of a show but it was a way to reconnect and it's almost like a billboard on the highway i mean i don't think there's a lot of people that see the billboard and say oh i have to go there but it keeps you front and center in mind that when the next time they're thinking, you know, we need to go out to eat. We just saw that sign. Let's, or they just saw that video and it gets of course shared. Um, and uh, we have a regular series with our, with our brewers. That's only um, it's only 20 to 30 seconds long of a, of a weekly kind of a joke or a trivia thing. And it's, it, it's just with goofy music. And it's one of those things though that people just see on an ongoing regular basis. They get shared and liked and um, and those those views keep you in, keep you in uh, front of people. Um, we obviously, you know, 
as a restaurant, we did a lot of community outreach, um, are going to our first responders, your firefighters, your healthcare workers. Uh, we had a senior center and very early on in the pandemic that uh, experienced 40 cases and a couple of deaths. And we were able to feed their staff a couple of times. And of course you share that uh, information out there and, and uh, let people know. Um, we tried the igloos, Shane. We had the igloos last year. Uh, we had a covered, I had invested three years ago in covering our beer garden and putting a heating system in out there. And we found in our case, people didn't want to sit inside the igloos because they had the whole beer garden out there. But a lot of breweries here have been very successful, uh, successful with them. And you get one of those little space heaters and they work pretty good out there. Yeah. Um, but we did this year just enclose then uh, the beer garden as we enter into the fall. I know that's kind of the major topic here. Um, and, and made that basically a four season uh, area out there. So we spent, uh, I don't know, it was another four grand, I think, to uh, get the thing entirely enclosed and to keep the heat in there. Um, and we continue with events and a live music series, trivia one night a week and uh, live music three nights a week uh, on weekends. Um, and as I really believe in adding value uh, and having activity rather than the lazy ass price cutting that people think they have to do. Um, and that is absolutely suicide in craft beer. Uh, if you devalue your product, you are devalued. Uh, the world is, the history of beer is littered with people cutting price and ending up losing in the long run. And the people, you know, your locals aren't supporting you because you're cheap beer. Uh, they'd be drinking Natty Light if that was the case. And that's not. Um, you have value in what you do and the effort that you put in and you should not discount that at all you should be adding value to what you do. Absolutely. David, I love all the unique ideas you just shared, especially, you know, all that video engagement you talked about. I mean, 2,500 views of these videos, that's fantastic. And how you just kind of- That's weak, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely amazing how you just started talking about how it's about the awareness. Because when you're on social media, I use the comparison a lot. When you're reading a magazine, an ad is one time opportunity right. to get someone's attention but when you're constantly on social media sharing these videos a couple days a week you're in that person's head they're not going to necessarily right. be saying hey i want to go to your brewery but next time they're thinking about where they go right. you're gonna be top of mind. or they're passing through the area i mean we, we're very seasonal here um you know in michigan i know here we have you know we have a colorado and massachusetts i mean you guys are the weather's the, the weather's the same and we're not far from lake michigan so we get a ton of snow but you know we're very seasonal here we have about a 30 to 40 percent swing in the winter time grand rapids is the opposite grand rapids is busy in the winter and everybody goes to the lake shore and up north in the summertime we're busy in the summer even though we're only 15 minutes away um we're an up north um uh, an up north uh, uh seasonal pattern in what we do so it's a struggle anyway during the winter, but a lot of these things, um, uh, uh, Marin, I think mentioned the larger outdoor area. Um, we added 12,000 square feet. We got our, our parking lot licensed. Um, for the last five years, we do, we've done a, um, a, you know, car events and I'm a Jeep guy. I have, well, my wife just yelled at me. I bought another Jeep uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, but we do Jeep nights and we get uh, once a week uh, all summer long. And we did one just for um, for Thanksgiving, uh, excuse me, for uh, Halloween here Halloween. in this our space. Um, so we get 100 to 120 Jeeps on a weekly basis that come out there and it's socially distant. They can be outside um, and they can take their beer out there and they can get their food in it to go and have it outside. Um, but it's a great way. And uh, Jeep guys don't care about weather, man. If it rains, they show up. If it snows, they show up. If it's beautiful weather, they show up and they're topless, which is even better. So, um, 
you know, but uh, I think some of these things, and especially if it's if it's authentic. I mean, again, when I talked about the value part earlier, the reason people support craft beer is because it's authentic. It's not a commercial. And if you have things like that that you're passionate about and you can create events around those things, that's the stuff that people respond to because you can speak their language. No, I love everything you just said. Great work on all that. Really cool in the Jeep event. Now, Julie, on to you because I know you're going to have some good insight right now. You interact with so many different people in the craft beer industry. This doesn't necessarily have to be a strategy you use to survive the pandemic, but what some of the breweries you've worked with, have, have they done to kind of better – their likelihood of surviving through all this and becoming as successful as possible in these tough times. Yeah, there's, there's a lot, honestly. And Dave gave me a good segue <laughs> into a lot of stuff here. <laughs> He's speaking my language as a marketer. <laughs> and I know Sean, you're like nodding your head, Marin, everybody, like, I think all of us get it here. I, um, I have seen some of the coolest stuff ever there's so many cool like little success stories here and there i can say um i don't know just overall either people that i interact with or they might be my clients or um like seminars that i've done or you know things like that and you get feedback from people um i've seen things like obviously well here in colorado with the weather you know when it hit in the spring and summer it was so nice that everybody immediately, thank goodness our governor was like, yeah, go outside, get an ordinance. Like, I'm just going to tell you, yes, Marin, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. He was like, you have a parking lot. If you have some gravel, turn it into a drinking space. We're not going to argue with you. We're just going to say yes. So I would say um, that's been wonderful because normally that would be a lot of red tape that you would have to go through. I think everybody understands the pains of permits and licenses and things like that. So I would say that's a big win for everybody. Um, alcohol to go. Um, there's some states that have made this permanent. Colorado, uh, we're good through the end of 2021, but I have a feeling, I don't know, the way things are headed and the way our state runs, I have a feeling it's probably going to either stay permanent or at least go through um, at least another year. Um, you know, Big kudos to Iowa because I think they are the first state to actually make it permanent, which is kind of random. But, um, you know, apparently Iowans like their booze to go, which is great. I, I think it's a lot of antiquated laws that are being there's some light shining on some very antiquated alcoholic beverage laws that probably need to be updated and probably need to be changed. Um, I used to live in Texas. Super fun TABC laws. Those somebody needs to take a look at those. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of different things, uh, different ways of sales because my my main like wheelhouse is like sales, marketing, and distribution, right? So um, all the pivots that have been made with sales, like people getting creative with um, beer to go, uh, beer and food pairings, partnering with outside restaurants, partnering with other. Um, community, like other local small businesses. We've heard about drive through beer markets and farmers markets. Um, I don't know. Uh, this probably isn't legal in every state, but like for Father's Day, I live in a cul-de-sac here and we have like a little pod of people that we've been safe with this whole time. We got a food truck to come out to our street and they had a beer license. So I, they brought a cooler full of beer. I mean, we paid for it, but I'm <laughs> There's like little pockets of all these opportunities where like who knew that you could like sell beer through a food drug and like have it brought to my house. So um, and then I would just say like opening up for new experiences. I can't uh, stress enough about digital, virtual, 
online, whether it's marketing, whether it's sales, um, all of that. Honestly, uh, e-commerce, we have a lot of catching up to do with the wine industry. The wine industry, the online sales is like a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, you know, work with your state guilds, contact your representatives. Things can get changed if you speak up. You know, and the only way that we can do this is that there's a whole lot of us together that say like, hey, we should be able to ship beer more often and across state lines. And it's fine and it's not detrimental. And we're, you know, um, keeping beer out of the black market and things like there's a black market for beer. There's beer trading. You know what I mean? So um, looking at that and having multiple streams of income. I think anyone that knows what March and April and May felt like when we all kind of got caught with our pants down, I hate to be crass about it, but I mean, it's um, knowing, okay, you know, if everything shuts down tomorrow, what am I going to do? Right? Like, what am I going to sell? What can I sell? And how can I sell that remotely? And how can I transfer? And Andrew, I know you've written articles on this and we've talked about this. How can we transfer this? in-person connection, tap room experience, production facility experience. I'm going to take you through my facility, all that like bonding and connection um, spots that you have with people that embed your brain in their mind, you know, and create that like brand loyalty. How do I do that through Zoom right. or Facebook Live or Instagram Live or, you know, whatever it might be. So I think um, digital marketing has come a long way just as much as like having an online store has. So I've seen a lot of cool stuff. I've seen people pivot to make different um, items like with what you have, like make a seltzer, make a flavored soda, make an NA beverage. You know what I mean? It's not ice cream. Um, it's not a bad thing. You know, I mean, I, I've seen some of my brewery clients are killing it this year in off premise. You know, I we might see a return of nostalgic bottles because no one has aluminum. Like I, you know, there's a Does lot that of beer from Sean's Brewery. Is that what you're referring to? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, never mind. You missed it. Yeah. Oh no, I just didn't hear the audio lagged for a second, and I didn't hear. <laughs> but it's just, um, I don't know. I think everybody has the buzzword for this year is pivot and adapt and things like that. And I think. Um, our market as a whole has just matured, even though it's been in a very hard, difficult way. Um, and unfortunately we have lost some folks along the way, but I think we will come out of this better and stronger. And I think people, if you can just keep your chin up and keep your options open and stay open-minded and just connect, like Dave was talking about, know, know who loves your brand know what they want, like know how to speak to them, you know, connect with them. There's other people out there that are interested that you might not even know about yet, you know, and just doing more um, outreach and expanding not only your physical uh, distribution footprint, but your digital footprint as well. No, all, all great advice there, Julie. And I kind of want to play off what you talked about with the virtual events before I kind of dive into that with everybody. I know through Secret Hopper, I did a study recently, and we found that 32% of customers nationwide plan to visit breweries less, you know, once the temperature drops. And when you break it down by region, it's 44% of guests in the Northeast plan to visit less once temperatures drop, 38% less in the Midwest plan to visit less. In the West, 28% of guests plan to visit less once the temperature drops. And in the South, 
is 21% less. So no matter where you are, people will be visiting breweries less once the temperature drops. Now, Julie, you talked about, about how we have to adapt and do these virtual experiences. Are any of you looking at hybrid experiences where you're offering the same type of service or entertainment or experience for people, whether they're at home or in person? Has anybody thought about that? I've seen that a lot over here in Houston, very much so, of that you can, for instance, an anniversary celebration um, in a tap room that cannot be open, you can't sit inside, we can't serve you beer. However, we have this beautiful package that you can purchase of two four packs, three bottles, and some specialty little VIP things that you would drink here normally with the brewers and have the experience in our house. But instead, we're gonna let you pick it up and you can either sit outside on the picnic tables or you can take it home and then we'll do a virtual tasting with you. So you can sit outside and do the virtual tasting or you can go home and do the virtual tasting. Um, I've seen that in a couple different places and I think it's been very successful. Um, same with that donut making option that you were talking about, Sean. Um, I've seen that both. And as well in Colorado, they did the same set where you could do it there at the tap room that was open, or you could make them at home and do a um, Zoom call is what they did with the actual bakers, um, not the brewers, but the bakers. Oh, so, cool. yeah, so I've seen that a couple of times. Um, I haven't executed it myself. Um, a platform that we did start to utilize um, to try to dive into was Twitch. I don't know if people have seen those um, for gamings, of course, um, but a lot. David, of do you know what Twitch is? Do I know what Twitch is? No, this is this is this is younger than me. It's like a, it's even younger than me. Okay, but something that you can very like my nephews who are five are on Twitch, um, but it's something that you can be watching somebody virtually play their video games is how it started. Um, but now we've been seeing it in Houston, especially for um, DJ sets and clubs. So you can have your own virtual club in your house. Um, and then I've seen it now for tap rooms where you can virtually sit in the tap room and there'll be a bartender serving in the tap room. And it's like you're there and you're chatting away with people who are there. And I've actually seen a lot of traction and attendance in those. So other fun platforms for sure. That's very interesting. Cause I, I know about Twitch, don't use it myself, but it's interesting to hear that it's actually working for breweries. I'm curious if more breweries do that, you know, as guests visit a little less. Has anyone else tried Twitch? TikTok, any of the other unique platforms? Oh, TikTok. I know of them and I know how to work them. Have I done them myself? No, because I, I mean, there's a, I don't know for any, I'm going to speak for everybody else that's in marketing here, but there's a fine line between like getting exposure and then worrying about age restrictions. You know what I mean? So there is some things that come into play. I know a lot of people are using TikTok, Snapchat, stuff like that. That's fine. If your demographic skews younger, yeah. um, just be careful with the age restriction. Right. You can so get something that um, I have found a 22 year old little right out of college marketing student that is a TikTok phenomenon. Um, and we use it mainly for merch and for like silly things on roller skates. Um, so something that, you know, the non-alcoholic beverages of kinds. Um, so we use it more for that because you know your audience, your audience is a 13, 14, 15, but there is, you know, hashtag TikTok over 30. Okay. So that does exist. Um, but yeah, you have to know your audience and know your platform and what you're using it for and what it's going, what your ROI is actually going to be on that platform. And there's a lot of time and dedication when you actually go to a new platform. It's not like you can post the same content. You can sometimes, but you have to have someone ready to engage on that platform. And I mm -hmm. think it's very, very important.
Now, Shane, I kind of want to go back to something you mentioned a few minutes ago. You talked about how you built a relationship with the Italian restaurant next to your brewery. And, and I think that's fantastic. You know, you have multiple locations. Do both locations have a food type restaurant you paired with? Or is it just the one location so our, in the Italian restaurant? Our second location is at Patriot Place down at Gillette Stadium. And we're surrounded by restaurants down there. So, again, that location has, I believe, 10 QR codes from 10 different restaurants that will deliver to us. Wow. So we're getting a little pushback on social media. I think it's more people are just making fun of us. We're the uh, brewery of QR codes now. So we got to nice are. Uh, I'm glad you just mentioned QR codes because it's something I wanted to kind of touch back on. So yeah. I consider myself pretty into tech, pretty smart on the forefront of certain things like that. But up until August of this year, I had never used a QR code. And honestly, Same. the first time I used one, I was in Richmond, Virginia. I saw it on the table. I knew what it was, but I honestly wasn't sure how to use it at first. And so I yeah. scanned it with my phone and figured it out pretty quickly. But in all of you guys' experiences, have you seen that there is an extreme learning curve with people and QR codes? And how are you handling it? Well, I have seen definitely probably my age group and above have a tough time. They really have never seen it before. They have no idea. It seems like anybody under the age of 40 knows exactly what the QR code is, knows how to use it, and probably has one on them for some reason. But uh, the older generation, we've had to bring in some paper menus, one-time use paper menus, and pass those out, walk them through the process, call the restaurant, tell them what food they want, and have it delivered right to their table. The other, the under 40 age group is just scanning it, taking care of it, bringing in their food themselves, paying for their food, and it's delivered right to the table. So a little bit of a learning curve. The staff actually think it's quite comical, and when we see people walking in the door, they're kind of profiling them right away and saying, yeah, I think I'm going to have to bring him a menu. Um, so it's been kind of comical for the staff. They enjoy it. It's definitely taken a lot less interaction with the staff and the guests, which has its downsides, but it's also during this pandemic, it's got its upsides. Um, so we're missing out a little bit on the interaction and, um, the fun aspect of, you know, sitting down at the bar and having a chat with the bartender, that aspect has gone, but, you know, priority right now is safety. So we're still uh, maintaining a fun atmosphere there, but at a distance. Yeah. And for everybody else in the conversation, I know we're talking about preparing is, for winter, but I think educating about the QR codes is important. Sean, are you getting ready to say something? I was just going to say what's really interesting is the QR codes driving to typically the website. So your website has so many more eyes to it than previously. You know, my my website probably had 20 views a month, you know, something, you know, someone stumbled on it through Instagram or whatever. Uh, now it's, you know, literally everybody that comes in is scanning that QR code and being driven to the website. and. You know, people are seeing pages that they normally wouldn't see because they're on the website already. They've looked at the menu and they're like, oh, what's going on here? What's going on there? And, you know, I had a I had a page set up for like previous beers and kind of a more like marketing style page for the beers that we have currently and that we've had in the past. And uh, there's been an uptick on people asking for beers that we've had in the past and saying, you know, hey, is this available? 
And the bartenders are super confused saying, no, we haven't had that in six months. Why are you asking for that? You know, that type of thing. Um, but it's just funny how this pandemic and the use of QR codes is driving traffic to a website. And that, that prior to this was a huge missed opportunity that you're now having the ability to do that. And I mean, I don't think people are utilizing their website as much as they, they could during this time. And to kind of go along with the whole QR code focus right now, someone just made a comment saying they were at a tap room the other day, they had to download a special app for payment and just keeping it as easy as possible for the customers is really important. No one likes to click a billion times to go through the transactions. I've talked about it before. You know, when you want someone to order beer from your online store, if they have to click 10 billion times, they're probably not going to end up making it all the way through their cart. But if you can make it as streamlined as possible, whether, you know, actually if someone at home ordering or in person in your tap room ordering through an app, make it easy, guys. You, you all are doing that already. Yeah. Andrew, please, I'm about to like go all businessy off on yeah. everybody here in just a second. But um, so there's because this is my, this is my thing, right? Like I've, I've got a huge marketing background and there's um, there's theories about this. Well, I'm not a web developer. I am trying to promote sales. Right. So like whether you think about it or not having the theory of like a buy now button, it might not say buy now, but it might say something like order online, order at your table, order from our merch store. That should be what is called above the fold on your website. That means I don't have to scroll, right? I see Sean like nodding his head because he knows what I'm talking about. Um, it, it's like, I shouldn't have to look for a place to buy something from you. Otherwise I'm out. I mean, I teach marketing, but I'm also a consumer. Like if I scan your QR code and you give me some wackadoodle website with like a bunch of pop-ups and confusing graphics and I can't see a button that says like order like order now like I just want to push one one button and then and people that have like consumers now have popcorn brains so like you have about five seconds maybe two to five seconds for them to actually commit to something and if you don't grab them you lose them and especially like Sean saying like if there's beers on there that aren't relevant like I tell people all the time, your website is now uh, your tap room, your brewery, your sales rep, your marketing team, and your revenue generator. Like we can measure conversions, like you can get beer shipped, like just think about that. And if you don't update it, especially for colder weather, people aren't going out. Where are they going? They lo they're looking on your website. Mm -hmm. They're also looking at your Facebook page and your Instagram feed. And mm -hmm. if you're on Twitter, whatever, you know, other stuff. But um take a Monday when it's snowing and update your stuff and make sure people know, are you open? What capacity you're open? How to use the QR code? Just put some signs up. My mom called me during the pandemic. My mom's like a huge hophead. I know that's crazy, but um, she was like, what is this code, Julie? I don't know what to do with this code. You know, she's in her seventies. Um, and I was like, mom, just open your camera and put, and she was like, why can't they just put a sign up? And I was like, oh, I do put a sign up, <laughs> like use your camera. So I encourage people like in the lack of personalization, use visualization, like as much as you possibly can, you know, cause that way that cuts back, you know, it contributes to the safety factor. I agree. So. 
And I think it should be added that you can teach people how to use a QR code before they come to your tap room. You can post a silly little video on your Facebook or Instagram just showing people how to use it. That way when they come, they've already watched you sing and dance and use a QR code. It makes the experience in person a little smoother. That's where I was going to take it one step further from the technology side, business side, and my bread and butter is just the experience side of creating it an experience that people want to come back to and do it again and again and again. And that piece of the puzzle that still I think is missing is, yes, that personal touch because we ultimately can't personally touch. So like you said, on that Monday, take that Monday to go back in there and just go back and recap with all your people that are sliding in your DMs all day. I cannot look at how many brewery accounts that have like hundreds of message requests that don't go look at them ever. Even if it's a mention in the story, sure, double tap. But something is like, hey, your QR code wasn't working that well, or your restrooms were not stocked, or it was really confusing on how we actually were able to place an order. And then a teammate wasn't able to help me with this. It's all educating your guests and your consumer and your teammates to just create that experience at upper echelon. But then the other piece of the puzzle, my favorite, is those apps that take a very long time that you click 20, 20 times. And the there just to get you to a free beer, just give me the free beer. Just give me the free beer. On the back end, on the back end, this is making the guest really frustrated with her technology. And all they really want is the beer. <laughs> so just taking it that one step further, conversation with them and then chasing them through your posts and your knowledge. Um, that that goes so much further, much further than anyone will ever see. No, all really great points there. Does anyone kind of want to touch on the e-commerce portion, the QR codes, the engagement right now we've been talking about? Well, I just, I the want only, to- The only thing with it all. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to kind of echo a little bit. I think we made almost two different points in in, 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 in listening to the, the panel. I mean, we brought up Twitch. But then we talked about making it easy. And I think that's one of the things that you got to be a little careful of in getting in some of these goofy platforms that then need to be updated. If there's no viewership there, I mean, honestly, for all the other things we do, more people look me up on Google than anything else. You know, make sure that that stuff's updated. Make sure your Facebook's updated. I mean, those are still and if you make interesting and relevant content regularly, um, you know, it was funny when we opened, we, we, our, our fifth anniversary is actually this Friday. Hooray, we're doing nothing. Um, but um, when we opened, we had over 5,000 organic likes on Facebook before we even opened the doors. And I w it's funny, I was on one of the uh, a social media professional pages, Julie, something that you might be on that is all industry that does that sort of thing. And I was just there as a lurker. And somebody brought up our page and started criticizing it, saying that, oh, those are all paid likes and, you know, they're all Chinese and everything else. Um, and I understand where that comes from. But, you know, I actually chimed in and said, hey, guys, no, you know, a year before we opened, while we were building, we were posting every day relevant content, photos, um, uh, uh, videos, historical updates, description of the styles. We do a lot of historical beer. Um, history of our area, the breweries that had been here ahead of time, uh, you know, jokes, entertaining things, but every single day we were posting and it's the same thing. Now we post during COVID, we, you know, we, we post our menus, our daily special menus up every day, what's going on. So every single day people know when they come that it's there. And 
we, we, during COVID we're open 12 to nine, you know, our, the menu posts at 9 30 PM. By the time we open the next day at noon, there's already 2000 hits on that because people are used to seeing it. So, you know, consistency and relevant content in channels that people are already going to. And I get, I know that young people aren't, aren't doing Facebook as much anymore. That's okay. Um, you know, but the vast majority of, of my audience does. That's 21 plus that's coming in to drink a beer and eat dinner. So, um, or getting takeout. Uh, so I don't know if we always have to reinvent the wheel by getting too cute and rather than making relevant content on the channels that people are already using, I think is to summarize it. No, fantastic points yeah. there. Yeah, put out brand value instead of brand noise, right? So like, inform people, entertain them, educate them, inspire them. Like, just remember those four things, like in, in relevancy to your brand. But I think everybody understands what I'm saying when I say that. Like, I think uh, as long as you, Dave, I'm super happy to hear you say that because I that's that's the kind of stuff that I that I try to reiterate to people right. that I that I work with and that I teach all the time. And that you know, consistency. Um, and when did you guys get started? Like, when did you start your Facebook page? We announced uh, we started. I think it was uh, November of uh, November December of 2013, and then we opened in the fall of 2015. So, you know, it was, it was, okay. it was over a year of buildup. And I say early on, it was once a week, but you know, in the year ahead, it was constantly putting something every day so that there was something that showed up in the feed. Again, like the billboard example I used earlier, it wasn't that they were going to go there that day because they weren't, we weren't open. Um, we have a second location that was supposed to open this summer that's delayed, but we're doing the same thing there. Um, it's got thousands in, uh, of likes and, yeah, we had a news media story a week ago or a month ago, excuse me, um, that people are seeing again for the first time. But because it's there and because you're being consistent and, and having activity, that's what ends up drawing. Again, you all all the purpose in this is to be front of mind with people. It's not that you're going to have an instant. You use ROI a minute ago, Marin. You're not going to have instant feedback in some of this stuff. This is a war of attrition. Um, and it's an opportunity here during this pandemic uh, to reemphasize your brand in terms of authenticity, in terms of community connection, and in terms of communication. Uh, you know, a, a lot of hospitality is struggling, and sometimes maybe they were struggling ahead of time, and this just made it worse. Um, but if you're fundamentally sound, you're doing these things, and you're you're communicating in a consistency of that message, uh, you know, it sinks in on people again. We're in a small town of 3,500 people, and uh, you know we're we're a can't miss when people go by on the highway heading north out of a major uh, metropolitan area. We wouldn't survive just on our local community. We have to have the outside uh, um, people, and this is the way that you can reach them. And I don't want Andrew. I don't want to get like sidetracked. I don't want it to be all about social media, but it is a good way to reach people. Like when it gets cold, you know. Um, But I was just gonna because I have panicky people that contact me quite a bit and say, oh my God, I have all many, all these followers, but nothing's happening. And like, there's nobody showing up to my stuff. And like, nobody's like, if you, if you've had a Facebook for years, you, you got used to having bigger organic reach, like back in the day. And, and now that's not the case because the algorithm has changed. So I don't want people to panic 
um, organic reach is like two to 5% of your followers. So, you know, you can do the math, like look how many people are uh, like following your page and stuff like that. And if you have about two to 5% of people that like or comment or share or, you know, watch your lives and stuff like that. That's just the way it is. It's the software. It, I mean, you can always do stuff to improve your content, to play nicely with the algorithm so that you can get more eyeballs on your branded content. Um, you cannot beat it. You can't pay to do it. Like it's, that's not a good strategy, but um, I just wanted to put that in there for anybody that's like panicking about their like digital marketing. It's just not the, it's just not where organic reach is not where it used to be it's, years ago. It's not, well, and so. I think to your point, Julie, it's not an instant fix either. This is a consistent ongoing process mm -hmm. uh, to do. And it, it does, it takes a little effort. Uh, the nice thing you can schedule some of this, but it, and you can have multiple people doing it, but it, it's an ongoing consistency. And honestly, that's, you know, why, why, why do people go to McDonald's? They don't go there because it's the greatest hamburger they ever had. They go there because it's there and they know what they're going to get and it's consistent. And you can do the same thing as a little guy with an authentic message by being consistent and doing things on like that on a regular basis and, and constantly being creative. No, I agree with everything you guys have said about the importance of social media. We're going to kind of transition to the tap room right now, but, you know, staying fresh in your consumers' minds and using social media to do that. If you're not doing it right now, they're going to forget about you and go to the brewery that is. It's so vital to keep doing what all of you guys have been preaching the past few minutes. But I want to shift it back to the tap room. You know, as temperatures get colder, we've talked about how people might be willing to visit a little less. What are all of you guys doing to encourage people to come out during the colder weather? I mean, I remember going to Europe, you know, a few years ago and everybody's outside the cold, bundled up, ready to enjoy a beer wherever. You know, what are you doing to encourage people to come, whether it's outside on your patio with heaters or what are you doing to convince them that you're not a safe experience in your tap room right now? Mr. Shane, what you got going on? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're putting a lot of our eggs into the igloo basket and um, <laughs> really hoping that this does make feel make people feel safe that they can come in and hop into this igloo with their, you know, the people that they trust. Um, we do have a cleaning procedure ready to go as soon as a group gets out, put another group right in. Um, we do also have propane heaters on the patios. So if you know you don't feel like sitting in there, you can definitely sit under the heater. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm sure as you all know, the the weather up here in the Northeast is going to get real bad real, real soon. So um, you know, we we weren't allowed by the state to put up tents with heat blowing into the tents with all four sides down. They would not allow us to do that. So we're just. Uh, Gonna grin and bear it and see what we can do with these igloos and hope this works out for us. Now, while we're talking igloos, I've seen quite a few pictures of the sweet looking igloos across the internet the past you know month or so. You know, quickly, how do you clean them quickly? We have a sanitizer gun that we've gotten. It looks like a big um, Ghostbuster gun. And cool. as soon as somebody walks out, you go in, you spray it, you let it dry for a couple of minutes, and supposedly that is taking care of everything. Can and you visually have I think dress like a Ghostbuster? You don't have to dress like the Ghostbuster, but you know what? We were thinking about that we may. You should sure. cool. take videos though. <laughs> yeah, that would look great on your social media. 
Hey, and Shane, make Carrie do it. COVID busters. COVID busters. I love it. I love that. It'll be a new thing. Very cool. I'll get a theme song worked up. No, but for everybody else, you know, what are you doing? Um, so over in Greeley, Colorado, we are getting very, very creative with our space in general, um, putting bodies in every nooks and cranny that are permitted to have bodies in them six feet away from something else. Yes. Um, we are also preparing our merch line to be bundled up merch big time. So you get there, you're cold, you need another scarf. Hey, we got one. Or you got a new beanie. Hey, we got one. Um, but also being able to use that as promos for bundle packages um, so that you can throw in a beanie into your four pack and come pick that up too. Um, so go in space, 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 still preparing the patio that looks very, very inviting for those wonderful sunny days when the snow is out. Um, Texas winter is completely different. It's just miserable. It doesn't matter. Like you just don't go outside. But in Colorado, you still get to go outside when it's nice and sunny with a sheet of snow. Um, so still preparing the space, making it look very inviting. Um, but that packing everybody inside as much as we possibly can, and then throwing some extra merch items out there just to make you look fancy while you're sitting in the snow. Yeah, I love your focus on merch because it's such a missed opportunity before COVID, but if you could even get it trained to do it right now well, especially seasonal merchandise, I think you'll yep. sell a ton of it. And guys, merch, man. So we were um, down in the tap room last month on actual package beer sales, but we were up 150% in merch. So like just, more items, more items. Just keep buying them, keep bringing them in, make them cute, make them different. Um, all walks of life can buy a sticker. All walks of life can wear a t-shirt. So it's pretty cool on missed opportunity that I've seen everywhere. Well, it's holiday season now. People are spending on those type of items. I mean, Black Friday parties. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Julie, you mentioned blankets. Have you seen any breweries near you do pretty neat blankets that oh, they pulled cool. out? Yeah, sorry, I muted out because my kiddo came upstairs with his laptop, <laughs> like remote learning life. Um, anyways, yeah, so di just different, like Marin said, with different, like just cold weather, like anything that you can think of, gloves, mittens, scarves. They even logo those hand hot, those hot hand holders. They even logo well, yeah, I, you can logo kinds of stuff. And, and Dave, you'll, so I used to sell import beer from Germany and Belgium and England. Oh, and I, I know. I, <laughs> not as good as I should. for all the <laughs> But I'm saying like the Germans don't care. They'll go, do you know how cold it gets in Germany? They don't care. They'll go out and sit on a beer garden at a beer garden table and enjoy that like community spirit. So if you can yeah, figure out how to. The apartments are very small and they will go outside any, any yeah, opportunity. Yeah, so can, yeah. It's possible. And I mentioned this just internally with us, like um, Colorado has this. I don't know if other states have it, but I encourage people to look into it. Our restaurant association here um, just launched a grant program that will help you with winterization expenses. Oh. So if you've had to drop a couple grand on like a tent or heaters or air purifiers or whatever it is, poke around in your state, like a uh, board of commerce, you know, uh, restaurant association, dining, like I, whatever it is, just poke around a lot and see if you can get some grant money, you know, to help pay for some of this. Cause it's not, it's not cheap. And then mind your, 
I tell people to mind their flaps. Like if you have outdoor spaces, like make sure, you know, it's have all four flaps down on like a, you know, that sounds horrible. Sorry. That's awful. Um, anyway, <laughs> that's, I, it, but just make sure that's not considered like Mind another thing. You know what I mean? Like make sure you have like the proper, um, enclosure that's legal for your ordinance because otherwise you're going to get in a hell of a lot of trouble. So, um, just make sure you have like the right number of walls or, you know, um, ventilation per square foot and all that stuff. But I think this is going to be a cool time for winter wear or, any, or tumblers or insulated growlers yeah. or, you know, any of that stuff, I anything with, I don't know, look up REI and see what they have in the winter. Just like brand it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think all the items and suggestions you guys have thrown out has been fantastic. David made one of the comments, slippers. I think slippers is a really unique brand that I hear because if I, you know, I had brewery slippers, I wore them every morning. I look at my feet. I'm constantly going to be reminded literally at 7 a.m. that I want a beer. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but it means you're it's always just for breakfast anymore. It's yeah, not you know, breakfast after breakfast. There we Some go. Some of the best socks that I have are brewery socks. Like yeah. I love brewery socks. They're mm -hmm. they're always oh man, they're super cozy. Well, yeah. This, this, you have this pattern, this socks. pattern that's above my head here is kind of uh, we have on everything. So I mean, it's it's for people here locally that know us. It's it's an instantly recognizable thing. Yeah. And as I said, I mean, some of this stuff, these make cool socks, cool beanie hats that look like this. You see, when you're at beer festivals, I mean, you can see our people everywhere because they have that pattern on their heads that is walking around so but i think a lot of you guys are making i mean a lot of good points and the, the point i was really going to bring up i mean we have a restaurant on site so it's a little different but is upselling um you know we spent the whole summer and with the outdoor and social distancing in cardboard boxes and here about three weeks ago as the weather started to turn we had snow two weeks ago and then it's been almost 80 this last week who knows uh but we we went back to uh, plating even for uh, even though we're counter service we're we're just delivering on a, on a plate, but we've also redone our menu a little bit to more entree type dishes and you're moving that price point up just a little bit. We're also a small distillery and a small winemaker and we've been doing some more specials in those areas again they're higher price point items. Uh, for some that we don't do a lot of the crazy barrel age stuff again being a very German brewery. But, um, you know, there is an opportunity here for some special beer releases and, again, a higher price point. And so it doesn't have to necessarily be volume, but it can be uh, price point. And that also equals cash flow, even if the margin isn't, isn't, isn't quite uh, the same. Packaging merch um, bubbles. We just got a, a new shipment of uh, German, the German drinking boot, which is totally for tourists. Uh, living in Germany for five years, I've never seen a German drink out of these things, but it's in the tourist shops for sure. And every time you see a German in a movie, he's drinking out of a boot, but it's for tourists, whatever, that people like it. We won't serve it on premise, but we make a package out of it by stuffing t-shirts and gloves and these kind of things into it. Guys, the holidays are coming up, man. It's a good time to start stopping for this. And what would what could be better for the beer beer drinking lover in your life than to uh, get them a stiefel full of uh, um, you know swag from their uh, from their favorite brewery? And the other thing I haven't seen heard anybody really touch on is almost all these breweries have mug clubs. Uh, guys, these are people who love you, and in fact, they're paying for the right to be your friend. Um, we do a lot of above and beyond extra stuff for those folks. Um, on a regular basis in fact usually this time this week we during our anniversary week we usually have a member of the year which we do on a point system and 
given that we can't really do that this year. In fact, we've extended them all another year, uh, you know, to thanks for hanging in with us. But there's a lot of this cool stuff you can do. You can have a night. Uh, we, we usually, as part of this, we have a night where we give them free appetizers where we t let them sample things that they may uh, taste next year. This might be a restaurant collaboration idea. You work with a local restaurant, they bring stuff in, offer this to your mug members to try these different uh, it's the, you know, it's the taste of your city, et cetera. You know what they're going to do? They're going to drink your beer while they're doing it. Um, you can work with every winter long. We Again, we're in a small town. We work up and down. There's a tea shop down here. There's a couple of antique shops. There's a, a guy that sells tamales. We do on a Monday or a Tuesday night when it's slow. We have our side room set up as an open house. They invite all their people. We invite all of our people. Come in and sample this other local merchant, this local uh, this local business owner, this local small business, and see what they're about. Let them just let them have the floor. Let them talk about what they do and sample their goods and get people. You know, they're going to drink your beer while they're doing it the whole time. These are all you know. These are ways you can collaborate, and and that person now loves you because you just brought them a handful of new people. And what are they going to do when the shoppers are walking into their place? They're going to say, "If you're in town, you got to go down here and check these guys out." I mean, you know. We're all in this together. In fact, today, I mentioned earlier, we had to close today because of, for a COVID cleaning. And I put a list of all the other local restaurants. I said, we're closed. While you're in town, go to these places. They all serve our beer. Uh, and send it down to others. I've already had three comments on our page this morning of people going, that is so cool that you're shooting, even though you're closed, that you're promoting other local restaurants. Um, you know, there's always local beer events, Colorado Beer Week, Texas Beer Week, National Small Beer Week. Uh, this Sunday of Black uh, Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, mm -hmm. it's it's local small brewery Sunday, if you didn't know that, if you're not a BA <laughs> member. I mean, post that. We're tagging every brewery we can think of that's a small brewery post so that they're all sharing in our social media. What do they do? They share it in yours, and they come see you. When the brewers pass by, they stop in. I mean, all this stuff, create connections and community. This is this is what craft beer is about. Let shit light beer do the advertising. And <laughs> all right. You got this is a one on one business. And when you do this kind of stuff on a consistent basis, and if you're friendly to other people, they're going to be friendly back. Don't be an asshole. I mean, goodness sakes, there's plenty of those out there. But help, you know, we've had other other places around and we've, you know, we've shared their news. Please support them. They're cleaning. They'll be back when they've had, had to close for COVID. They're going to do the same thing back to us now in this situation. But Andrew, I mean, can I, I, Dave, I don't want to, I, I just want people to know this is not like speculation. No, because no, you know, I'm a day, Andrew knows that I'm a data nerd. So I want people out there to realize like, this is not us just like uh, agreeing with each other and stuff like this. I want to, throw out some Nielsen data that I got from November 3rd that is basically saying, and this is concrete on paper, people, on-premise beer sales are down still 33%. That's just the way it is, right? And that's like tap rooms, restaurants, bars, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Here's the kicker though. Check prices are up. Mm -hmm. So the average consumer is spending more, even though they're going out less. So when you can do what Dave is talking about and sell things that Marin is selling and, you know, incorporating websites like Sean is doing, you know what I mean? You're adding. And then, Andrew, I know you've written articles about this. Upsell, upsell, upsell. It is simple, as simple as saying, do you want some merch? Like now that you're done and you're closed out, 
Like, do you want some merch to go with you? Do you want some beer to go with you? Have you signed up for our mug club? Are you on our email list? Like, it's as simple as just asking questions and then you're opening the door. And literally, it was an entire article that I read a couple of days ago that said people are looking for a premium experience, not necessarily a, a premium price tag, but if they do go out, it's a special occasion and they want a well-trained staff and they want a full experience. So like take this time to train your staff, teach them to upsell, sell everything that you've got, brand everything, make sure you're authentic and personal and make it like a whole deal, like the whole shebang. And then you get that word of mouth that everybody craves after, you know what I mean, Dave, that's why you have people like you get word of mouth. Right. And so, um, you know, just with the trade-ups, I think if you can, okay, yes, we have less visits and less foot traffic, but has the average bill gone up or are we doing more to go or, you know what I mean? Like, and even in that, even in that point, a lot of people train their front of the house staff. If you have a kitchen, train your heart of the house staff. Those guys are ambassadors, guys and gals. I mean, they're ambassadors for you too. Make them come to beer. They want to come and drink free beer. I mean, let them come to the beer trainings and let them do this. I mean, everybody who touches you, uh, I mean, a lot of places do meet the brewer nights and, you know, meet meet the chef nights. We've done some videos for that online where it, it, it shows, you know, how do we make the beer? It goes through a brew day. It goes through a, a making a dish in the kitchen. All that stuff's interaction and it, it's connections with, uh, again, that authentic experience, Julie. I think we've, we've all been saying that, but you know, places like ours are experienced places. You can't do that in the traditional way during this pandemic. But if you think outside the box, you can create enough of that experience that uh, that is is perpetuating value amongst your consumers and is the stuff that people talk about and gets more people curious to come in. Again, five years open. We we have we've had multiple people this week who have never been here. They've never been here and they've come in this week to try it because of that word of mouth thing and they finally gave it an opportunity even during a pandemic. So. That's fantastic, right. David. We're going to wind this down, guys. I think we've heard a lot of really great keywords today. And it's funny because so many of them have started with the letter C. David, you talked about consistency a lot. Julie, Sean, and Marin, creativity a lot. But I think the one that really brings it all together is that community. Because when you get your community behind you and you do a good job with the rest, it's all going to come together. And you guys are all seeing you know, your breweries being supported by the community through this pandemic. And I think right now, as we get further into winter, you know, we just got to keep our heads up. We got to keep trying. We got to keep having conversations like this to, you know, get these ideas out there. Cause now David, I just want to tell other breweries to go make slippers right now. Cause there's just so many unique ideas we can learn from one another. So I want to thank Julie for being here. Sean, of course, Marin, I hope to meet you for a beer in Colorado or Texas one day. David, one of these days we're going to have a beer in person. I appreciate Shane at Wormtown joining us as well. So these will be up forever on YouTube. So hope your wisdom helps another brewer out there today but thank you guys again and we will see you next week cheers Bye, everybody cheers <laughs>